This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1. This is The Evolution of Intimacy with Ella Shannon, a show about sex, relationships, and everything in between. You can start to feel bliss while you're vacuuming. I don't know if I've tried that or not. Do I want to try it? What is it? Very complex, very interesting. Flogging, whipping, caning. So there I was in my high heels and my little dress. So it is purely a stigma. Healthy sexual expression with other humans. I went to the local women's health centre and went, I think I'm a lesbian, is there a support group? They don't know quite how to talk about it. It's actually a core skill in relationships. That has always worked for me. My guest on the show today is Dr Vijay Ramanath, lecturer at Sydney University. He's an expert in sexual health. Welcome Vijay. Very good evening, Anna. Vijay, I'm really keen to hear from you. What is sexual health literacy? Let's start from health literacy and then we can expand into sexual health literacy. In a very uh, a, a casual term, lay person context, we do have plenty of resources and access to resources on acquiring knowledge, especially in 2022. As you would know, there's plenty of opportunities to gain knowledge. But what we haven't got much is the ability to translate that knowledge into making decisions. Right. But health literacy is precisely that. It's not just about it, the ability to read, understand some information. It's the ability to use that information in making decisions when it comes to our health. So that's what health literacy is all about. When you expand that into sexual health literacy, it's about the ability to understand information on sexual health, whether it be ST infections or it could be about dysfunctions, it could be about consent. It's that ability to understand and be able to use it when we are making some big or even a small decision in relation to our sexuality. There's just so much information out there as well. So it's about being able to discern which information you use to make your decisions as well. That's right. Health literacy is not any one person's responsibility. It's a duty of the healthcare providers to make sure to uphold health literacy and make everything possible for the information to be presented in a way that the consumers, quote-unquote, clients, patients, to be able to understand and use it. And also from a consumer point of view, it's the ability for them to actually ask and clarify and having an opportunity to clarify information with the healthcare providers. Yes. The provider, it's the consumer and the environment in which these consultations happen. Or in a broader context, so much information out there on health promotion, but are they written or presented at a level that it is reaching the right audience. Lots of people, I think, feel a bit embarrassed or shy to ask their doctor the right questions. So that interaction between the doctor making that conversation available would be really important as well. That's right. And I, it's just slightly more than shyness or embarrassment. People just forget. I'm sure if you know the audience who are listening to this, put, put 
your hand on your heart and say how many times you have went to a specialist or any healthcare provider spent 30 minutes or so and stood when you came out of the consult you thought oh gee i forgot to ask that question sure you have done that yeah yeah happened to all of us doesn't mm. matter one thing i want to make a, a impression here uh, your gentle literacy doesn't necessarily influence or give an indication of your health literacy somebody could have a phd or be a professional or highly educated that doesn't necessarily mean their health literacy should also be very high hmm. you need to be mindful of that and somebody with good health literacy when it comes to sexual health literacy once again the same relationship somebody with good health literacy when it comes to sexuality related information they may struggle we need to keep those three parameters separate yeah literacy health literacy sexual health literacy Hmm. Well, why do you think then that many people lack literacy in relation to sexual health? There are many reasons. It's not one reason. One, how much of opportunity they had for a formal sexuality education. And number two is the stigma and, and you know, the taboo related with sexuality and what is being presented. To some extent, the field is not regulated the way it should be. And what that means is when people type in on a search engine they put something and whatever comes in the first page of the search engine they tend to believe that's it that's the entire information about that particular topic and i often say to my patients don't judge by how flashy a website is look for some indicators whether the information you're reading is credible look for whether that is a person's name attached to that site see for affiliation to a, a professional body see whether it's institution based and to be honest ella you and i can start a website about any random topic and we can put in millions of dollars to make it appear as the first website to come up when you put the search term yeah. there is no body to regulate the content and that is a real trouble when it comes to sexual health literacy you are listening to the evolution of intimacy with me ella shannon a show about sex relationships and everything in between most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex they are curious hang on a sec i'm a woman like i have needs now whole new level of sensation and pleasure i looked at my yoni before and after and mm. i was like oh my god you may experience a range of emotions what we associate as being related to one gender or another it changes all the time Pleasure is our birthright. You're on these massive doses of steroids. I look like Bert Newton. I wouldn't have been attracted <laughs> to myself. <laughs> so they were just so happy to know that A, they weren't alone, and B, that this was like a legitimate thing. And that actually sounds really lovely and erotic, really pleasurable. It's a secret. Mind-blowing. This is The Evolution of Intimacy. My guest is Dr. Vijay Ramanath. We're talking about sexual health literacy and the potential risks of consulting Google for health information. It's concerning, isn't it, especially if you're trying to sell some product but it's not potentially the best treatment for that issue. That's right. And at the clinical level, when I see clients, when I take sexual history and do psychosexual education in the process of that consult imaginatory if they appear to be a blank page if they know nothing to be honest that's a blessing <laughs> yeah right 
often what I get is a page scribbled all over the place in different colors, in different directions, in different forms, it's scribbled. And then half of the time goes in erasing and trying to make sense of all of that mm-hmm. and then erasing it. Doesn't matter how good you erase it, there is some leftover mark. So a good chunk of time goes in getting the first part done, which is <laughs> making sense and erasing. And then the second part comes rewriting the script together. I'd like to hear also, from Dr. Vijay, about your doctorate thesis on sexual health and healthy sexuality of Indian migrants in Australia. Yeah, definitely. The reason for me to do that study is very interesting. Me being an Indian migrant myself back in 2005, it's interesting when you come from one cultural setting to another cultural setting and, and see how you evolve as a person. And sexuality is a core aspect of being human, so cannot separate it from other aspects of your life. Being me going through that process and having studied undergrad medicine in India, very medical model, and then when I came here to do my master's in medicine, and I happened to hear to a lecture about human sexuality for the first time, hmm. which created a lot of aha moment. Oh wow, so sexuality is something that we could even talk you know, in a scientific way in a classroom among students with the teacher. I never thought that was possible. Wow, yeah. That created that aha moment, whereas studying about sexual crimes created a lot of interest in me. And then when I got interested in that, then I was looking at, okay, that's fine. It's great to read about behaviors and attitudes, but there must be something influencing all of this. And that was the time I decided to do my PhD, looking at how the process of migration, technically called acculturation, hmm. how that or whether that process of migration impacts on sexuality and if it impacts, what sort of impact would it have? Does it impact the attitudes or does it impact behavior more or does it impact both? The attitudes are much easier to be influenced by that acculturation, whereas hmm. behavior takes a bit more time right. because I'm curious to hear what you found. I spent time in India and my sense is that Australia is more sexually liberal. So did people come out to Australia and start to explore their sexuality in ways they weren't able to back home? Mm, is Australia a well and truly a liberal society, culture? You know, I would take that with, with caution. But that's the perception. Western country, everything is okay. We can do whatever we want. Everybody is willing for sex. Sex is open. But that may not always be true. Hmm. I'm saying that India is not all conservative. Yeah. And when I was writing my thesis, you know, I struggled with defining culture. What is Australian culture? Yeah, are we talking about the indigenous culture or are we talking about the melting pot of different cultures? Yeah. Yeah. And Indian culture, for that matter, you cannot single out what is Indian culture because Indian culture has got its own ancient values mm. around sexuality. Yeah. And then we got the Mughal influence for a couple of hundred years and then we had the Victorian era for a couple of hundred yeah. years and then the, the modernization and American influence now and somehow Indians are lost in their own culture. So what you see in a movie, Bollywood movie, may not be practiced in the real world setting. There's a big difference in the class 
the liberal views are held by those on the lower socioeconomic status and those on the very high socioeconomic status mm. very liberal yeah. but as the middle class are the ones who struggle they can't go this way or the other way that's really interesting interesting isn't mm. it and, and often people make this interest oh india is a land of kamasutra but hang on a second mm. take that with a pinch of salt kamasutra yes. was written in a very specific time period yeah in a specific dynasty in a, for a specific class of people so we cannot generalize that to the whole of india so it's a very interesting study to understand all of this you are listening to the evolution of intimacy with me ella shannon a show about sex relationships and everything in between most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex they are curious hang on a sec i'm a woman like i have needs now whole new level of sensation and pleasure i looked at my yoni before and after and mm. i was like oh my god you may experience a range of emotions what we associate as being related to one gender or another it changes all the time pleasure is our birthright you're on these massive doses of steroids i look like bert newton i wouldn't have been attracted to myself <laughs> so they were just so happy to know that a they weren't alone and b that this was like a legitimate thing and that actually sounds really lovely and erotic really pleasurable it's a secret mind blowing it does impact i can tell you that father acculturation does impact sexuality of i think any migrants and one big difference we need to understand is the difference between a migrant and a refugee yeah okay because migrants come to this country by choice whereas refugees they come here because they didn't have a choice mm. how people acculturate it's not one pattern of acculturation some people tend to integrate the two cultures or more than two cultures and some people tend to hold on to their host culture and they still do everything the same they think the same they value the same exactly the way they used to do in the home country yeah some people tend to assimilate into the host culture and the worst of all is some people lose identity of their host culture as well as the new culture mm-hmm. they're locked in between the two yeah. and that has impact on how people flourish and settle and survive in in the new country children born to first generation migrants that's another parameter we need to look mm. into it you know so the first generation they're still holding on to the host culture whereas the children they are born and brought up in the new culture so there could be a clash between the two yeah that could be intergenerational clash between in any culture or anybody in any family whereas the migration actually at another level of uh, <laughs> another possibility for intergenerational clash very complex very interesting but it's something it needs to be addressed especially in a country like Australia where there's so many migrants we need to have a better and deeper understanding of it chance for people that are migrating to Australia from India would you have any advice around sexual health literacy for those people you know for health recently launched an international student hub and uh, i happen to be part of the inaugural ceremony and gave some input there are plenty of resources to go take into and and you know these are written at the level that students can understand and we need to un- be mindful 
these students who are coming from India, they often haven't had a chance for a formal sexuality education in India. Mm. So when they come, and in the initial days, you know, you're in a society, everything looks great, and you have a bit of money, and, you know, you feel excited. So you tend to explore things, become a bit adventurous. Yeah. It's fine, but at the same time, you need to be mindful of what the you know, consequences are and, you know, what helps there, okay? Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine a risk of being in a totally new country and just going into party exploration mode. And if you didn't have that educational understanding of some of the risk, that that could get you in a little bit of trouble. Especially consent, Ella, because there's plenty of opportunity to mingle. The opposite sex, same sex doesn't matter. So everything's acceptable here. So all of a sudden they are put in a, in a society with so many opportunities. These are urges they've been holding on for a long time and it comes out as a burst. So that burst is fine, but at the same time it shouldn't impact on the student candidature or career in Australia. Mm. So it's a balance between the two. Because you start talking about sexual health, condom, uh, STI and all of this, it, they don't listen to it, they don't engage with it. They, they see all of this is anti-pleasure, it's pleasure negative. So we need to be very mindful to acknowledge that it's okay to enjoy and explore, but at the same time in a responsible way. In my lingo, I don't necessarily use the word stage sex. Because when you say safe sex, it somehow gives that negative connotation, either I'm a risk or you're a threat. And safe sex is focused on infection, protecting you from infection. But healthy sexuality is not just about protecting you or protecting others from getting infection from you. It's about responsible sex. It's treating the other person as equal, treating yeah. other person with respect, you know, giving attention to their pleasure and their wishes and protecting yourself, protecting them. So that's a, a package. And I think responsible sex, at least to me, sounds better than safe sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was a teenager, I was at a girls' school and then I was so excited to go to a co-ed school at some point and I was, yeah, a little bit crazy but very much the messages were, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Pregnancies, diseases, nothing about pleasure and enjoying responsibly, which I think would have been a helpful conversation. And you, you're right, Ella, even in what you said just now, we are very good in telling what not to do. Mm. But do we tell them what to do? Okay, so that's the gap. Have a balance. Otherwise, if you look at a typical literature or any sexual health website, it's always infection, disease mm. protection, yeah. this, okay? So it's heavy. It's very heavy on that aspect. Yeah. And I don't know whether you heard this. I often use this as a little bit of a twist with the terminology. If you hear sexual health, it sounds very infection, disease, mm. whereas if you swap the term healthy sex, it mm. feels different. Totally different. Same words, but just such a different experience hearing that. Like healthy sex, I think almost of sex as exercise and pleasure and enjoyment and relationships rather than infection and what not to do. I love that. I'm going to borrow that off you, Dr. BJ, if you don't mind. I think you can apply that to mental health as well. If you talk True. About mental health as well as healthy mind. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it's more proactive towards what you do want rather than stopping what you don't want. The high time that we move out of the deficit model, we're always thinking there is something lacking, there is mm. something missing, there is something risky. 
know, yes, that's very important. I'm not denying that at all from a public health point of view, from a clinical health, yeah, that's definite. But I think it's time to move from an asset approach, you know, be responsible and, and flourish and, and nurture. And celebrate healthy sex as well. Mm. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ella. You've been listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with Ella Shannon. We're feeling juicy the whole day. Every desire I could possibly think of. What sort of impact would it have? They want it, they're going to go and get it. They don't think of long-term consequences. Oh, did that feel really nice? Oh, yes, that felt really delicious. Being able to feel good about my body again, that's been a huge thing. All anybody really wants in this world is to feel seen and heard. We actually do have a lot that connects us physically. It's making people feel good. There is a real sense of hopefulness that returns in a relationship. A really beautiful thing. Take that beauty and that calmness and that bliss and that sense of peace out into the world. Thank you for listening and I hope we've inspired you with our juicy conversations on this episode of The Evolution of Intimacy. If you would like to go deeper, you can book a session of relationship counselling, sex therapy or individual counselling via my website. I work in person in Cairns, tropical far north Queensland or I can meet you online anywhere in the world. Or you might prefer to go at your own pace with my 12-lesson Relationship and Intimacy online course. To book or to listen to previous episodes, visit my website, ellashannon.com, or follow me on the socials at Evolution of Intimacy. Finally, please go to iTunes and write me a quick review if you're feeling kind. Thank you, lovelies, and see you next time. This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1.